Let me begin by saying <clears throat> thank you for being here <clears throat> and thank you for your love and support of Southeastern Seminary. Uh, this has been for our school really a, a good convention. If you think about it, uh, yesterday uh, elected first vice president of the Southern Baptist Convention was our own Dr. Walter Strickland, who happens to not be, yes, who happens not even to be here. It's pretty impressive that you can get elected to an office and not be present. A lot of times that's what happens when you're a secretary or something, you get elected. But he was elected first vice president. The reason he's not here is he was defending uh, and successfully completed his PhD from Aberdeen University. And so he had a very good reason for not being here, but he is going to serve next year alongside uh, Dr. Steve Gaines as first vice president. Then, just a moment ago, uh, you got to hear Jose speak. Uh, he is a Southeastern graduate like Walter. Walter, of course, also works for us, and I'll share a word about, again, his incredible work in the area of kingdom diversity. Uh, but Jose is a graduate, now working on a master's degree, and he was elected second vice president of our Southern Baptist Convention. So both the first and the second vice presidency is occupied by two of our graduates. And so we can be very thankful and very proud that God in His grace has raised these men up for a very important and strategic time. Then this morning, if you were in the hall during the uh, presentation uh, by David Platt, uh, you saw uh, someone go to the mic, uh, our brother Cambies, who is sitting over here. Uh, I said playfully a moment ago, our resident Persian. Uh, a dear brother that uh, Charlotte and I met uh, along with his wife and family a couple of years ago in Turkey. Uh, if you were there, you heard him share probably as well and succinctly as I've ever heard uh, a thank you to Southern Baptists because uh, missionaries brought the gospel uh, to Iran. He heard the gospel. He believed the gospel. And uh, I like what David Platt said, those that have been reached by our mission efforts now become missionaries and mobilizers themselves. And Canby's uh, has wonderfully been added to uh, our school, uh, to our GTI, Great Commission Theological Initiative uh, work under the very excellent leadership of Dr. John Ewart. I just gave a quick word in passing about it because we were on a time limit this morning, but let me just jump there and point out that uh, we have now in place a Farsi language or Persian initiative uh, under Cambys' leadership. Long story made short, uh, we're going to move toward actually providing a fully uh, accredited Bachelor of Arts degree in Farsi. Uh, it's to our knowledge, uh, there is no school anywhere on the planet uh, that's doing this within a Christian context. And so one of our prayers and goals is that God will bless this effort uh, we're already right now in the process of trying to raise funds because though the Bible is translated in Farsi, uh, there are not a lot of biblical and theological works translated into that language. And for us to uh, do what we need to do in terms of providing a degree, uh, we need to have those works translated. And so we're working very hard to raise necessary funds so that that process uh, can begin. But uh, again, uh, if you've been here for the several days, uh, you heard some wonderful testimonies uh, about what God is doing in reaching uh, Iranians here in America. 
uh, fact, Advanced Pittman's Church there in uh, Las Vegas uh, have baptized this year almost 60 uh, Iranians, 60 Farsi speakers. And uh, Gambies had a chance to meet with that pastor, begin a conversation about how we might be able to do some things there with them. And so this is something uh, that is unique, uh, but God is working. It's amazing what God is doing in places like China, where there's great uh, opposition, places like Iran, where there's great opposition. And we just believe again that God has strategically given Southeastern a vision uh, and a mission uh, to do something about that at this particular moment in time in our history. You know, Carl F. Chinry was the most influential Baptist theologian of the previous century, and he, though a great theologian and ethicist and philosopher, also had the heart of a missionary and an evangelist. Uh, and in fact, I have friends that said they had many times seen him on the mission field sharing the gospel very faithfully uh, and not in any way trying to flaunt uh, all of the education and all the credentials that he had. But his heart was so passionate in this area, he made the famous statement, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. And that drives Southeastern Seminary. We believe that to be true because we believe people cannot be saved apart from the gospel. And so that is why, again, uh, the final marching orders of the Lord Jesus Christ are the marching orders of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, the Great Commission, until Jesus comes again. Let me share a couple of things just personally, uh, again, that I did not bring in my report earlier this morning, just to let you know some of the really good things that are going on uh, at our school. Let me talk about our college for just a moment. We recognize that we are uniquely uh, situated to make a massive impact for the gospel in North Carolina through our college. You say, why? Uh, because there are only two colleges of a Baptist uh, conviction uh, that are committed to the inerrancy of Scripture in North Carolina. One is Fruitland Bible Institute, a two-year institution with which we have a wonderful relationship. And the other is the College at Southeastern. Uh, it is not true of any of the other former Baptist colleges in North Carolina that they have even evangelical convictions in a broad tent kind of way, much less a school that is confessional and a school that is committed to the complete truthfulness of God's Word. Just last week, Jamie Dew and I had a wonderful opportunity to meet with Milton Hollifield, who is sitting over here to my left, the executive director of North Carolina Baptist, just to talk about how it is that we can be even more intentional and how it is that we can work in an even closer partnership with North Carolina Baptists to train uh, ministers for the churches in North Carolina. Almost 50% of all of the graduates of our college go into vocational ministry in North Carolina. And so we're very, very excited about what we think God is going to allow us to do. Uh, in a few uh, weeks, my cabinet uh, team will get together for a retreat, and we're already envisioning where should our college be five years from now? Where should our college be 10 years from now? And our prayer is that by God's grace, uh, we would grow from a college of about 600 to a college of somewhere between 1,200 and 1,500. And we actually believe that that can be accomplished, and we're going to be taking steps in the days ahead to make sure we have in place on our campus uh, the kind of structure that could support that, but also uh, the kind of college that would be attractive. In fact, our college is very attractive. 
The only problem is we're one of the best kept secrets in the world. Uh, it's amazing to me, even in North Carolina, uh, as I travel and talk about our school, and I will bring up the fact that we have an outstanding uh, four-year college uh, with almost 20 majors and minors, and people will say, you have a college? Well, yes, we have not only a good college, we have a great college. And so one of the things I would say to, to you all is help us get the word out. Uh, if you've got folks that you know, believe God has called them to vocational ministry, and they're looking for a really good, faithful college where they can be trained, then direct them towards Southeastern. You know, this is a fact. 90% of the people that visit our campus at that, that then choose to go to a Bible college or to a college or seminary, they will come back to us uh, because I have the greatest staff in the world. I have the greatest folks in terms of faculty. All they have to do is meet them and they come back. And so if you can encourage them to come and pay a visit, uh, just know I think we can take it the rest of the way. But we're very, very excited about that. Let me give you another thing that I alluded to quickly, but what is going on with our college. Under the capable leadership of uh, Seth Bible, uh, we have entered into a partnership with the North Carolina uh, System of Corrections. And also I mentioned Joe Gibbs uh, and uh, 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 his ministry. You know, it's, it's, this is one of the few times, amazingly, uh, that a Dallas Cowboy fan can get along with a Washington Redskin uh, fan, or actually three-time Super Bowl coach. And I had the honor of meeting Joe Gibbs a few weeks ago with some of our team as we were talking about this partnership, and I could not help myself. And again, full confession, I lived in Dallas, Texas for 15 years. I did get infected with the Dallas Cowboy virus, and so myself, uh, my boys, uh, we are rabid Cowboy fans. So I told Joe Gibbs, uh, I said, I'm really honored to meet you. Uh, I have great respect for you. Uh, your, your Christian testimony is something amazing. You won three Super Bowls, but I am a Dallas Cowboy fan. And he looked at me with a big old grin, and he said, well, that's all right. If you come up to my office, you'll see sitting on my desk a bust of Tom Landry, because three years ago, I received the Tom Landry Award. So I said, well, we might convert you to be a Cowboy fan yet. He said, don't count on that. But anyway. We had a wonderful time talking with him about how it is that we can begin to offer within our prison system a Bachelor of Arts in Christian Studies for men and eventually for women, that's on the horizon. They're either lifers or they are men that have sentences of 40 years or longer. In other words, many of these men that we are going to train to do ministry in our prison system, that will be their ministry because that's where they will live, that's where they will serve our Lord, and that's where they'll die. And we've had the chance to visit some other uh, systems where we've seen firsthand just how radically transformative and true the gospel is. I mean, I want to tell you something, folks. It's an amazing thing. We were in Darrington Prison. I was last year. Uh, Jamie was there last year and has gone back this year. Bruce Ashford was with me last year as well. And uh, we met a man there that uh, is tattooed from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. He, uh, several years ago, was basically, if I can use the analogy, the godfather of all of the white racist supremacy groups in that particular prison system. Everything flowed through him. 
Everyone looked up to him. No one did a thing without his approval. And yet, he got saved. The gospel transformed his life. And when we were there to watch him graduate, uh, he was over with the brothers, uh, three African-Americans, and they said to me, those are his best friends now. And the white racist gangs in the prison do not know how to process the radical, radical transformation that they have seen take place in this man's life. And they are seeing an unbelievable move of God throughout that prison. That story, we pray, is going to be duplicated again and again and again in North Carolina. But we're not just dreaming about North Carolina. We know it's somewhere down the road because what will happen is this. Beginning in the fall, uh, we will receive our first class of 30 students. Uh, then next fall, a second class of 30 students. The next fall, 30 more. And so eventually we'll have uh, right at 120 students at any given time working toward their Bachelor of Arts in Christian Studies through the uh, College of Southeastern Seminary. Upon graduation, uh, the plans are for them not to stay where they are in Nash County, but to basically send out as missionaries to the other prisons throughout North Carolina where they will minister on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ, planting churches, doing discipleship, doing all the things that a pastor would do, simply doing it through the prison system of North Carolina. But our hope and prayer is we will move from it being right now exclusively for men to including both men and women. And then in time, we've already at least got on the dream list uh, the possibility through our Global Theological Initiative to take this training even internationally. And uh, you know what? Uh, our limits should be no uh, less than the limits of our God, and our God is unlimited. There's no limitations upon what He is capable of doing, and we simply want to be obedient and go where He wants us to go and be very active and proactive in doing what He has called us to do. We've been praying about this among our cabinet for probably five or six years now, and for whatever reason, we could just never get it started. This is where, again, my confidence in a sovereign and providential God just gets stronger with each passing day because at the exact right time, these people showed up on our doorstep. They came inviting us to get involved in a vision that God had given them. And so we are extremely excited about that partnership that will begin in the fall. You know, Adrian Rogers said uh, many wonderful and wise things, but one of the things that's guided me throughout my life, and in particular my time here at Southeastern, is A leaders hire A people. B leaders hire see people. Now, there's a lot of wisdom in that, brothers, especially for those of us that are in the ministry. A leaders hire A people. B leaders hire C people. And what he means by that, uh, A leaders hire the best. They hire men and women that come around them that are smarter than they are, better than they are, especially in particular areas of uh, need. And then what do they do? They put them in those areas and they turn them loose and they allow them to soar for the glory of God and recognize that that is the wisdom of a good leader. Well, I don't claim to be an A leader. I would never even begin to suspect that, but I will tell you, I at least aspire to be one. And as a result of that, I really do believe that Southeastern Seminary has both the finest staff 
and it has the finest faculty anywhere on the planet. I would not trade any of the men and women at our school for any other faculty, nor would I trade them for any other staff, because I think God in his goodness has given us the absolute best. So just for example, John Ewart continues to lead in a fantastic way our Global Theological Initiative. He is the one along with Cambys put together our Persian Farsi Initiative. I shared with you all this morning, we've got a number of works taking place uh, within Spanish-speaking uh, Spanish cultures uh, in uh, uh, Mexico and in Central America. We continue to have a wonderful partnership with Brazilian Baptists, training about 50 students at any given time. Almost all of these men that we are training are either at key strategic churches in Brazil or they're in leadership position in their national mission board and their international mission board. We also, as I mentioned, are working among the Sudanese. Several years ago, Charlotte and I had the honor of going to South Sudan to a city called Kajikaji where we were able to do church planting, a Bible conference, and just see the great work that the Lord is doing there today. Uh, about six months ago, I received, uh, just kind of by happenstance, but actually, again, it was divine providence, an email from a man named Edward Dima. Uh, we met Edward for the first time in Kajikaji. He is today uh, the president of the South Sudan Baptist Convention. Now, when you think South Sudan Baptist Convention, don't think that there's a building somewhere. There's not. Don't think that there's a headquarters somewhere. There's not. But what you do have is a loose network uh, of brothers and sisters who believe like we believe and have a passion to see the gospel spread and extend throughout South Sudan. Unfortunately, as I think most of you know, civil war fighting has been unbelievably intense in that part of the, of the world so that uh, Kajikaji, where we went a few years ago, is today a ghost town. The compound where we stayed no longer exists. And there are now more than 500,000 Sudanese refugees in Uganda and in Kenya. Edward sent me an email just to update me on their situation, but then he told me, but and this is again, only the eyes of faith can say something like this. He said, Dr. Aiken, we believe this is God's plan because within the refugee camps, we're planning churches and doing missions and evangelism. I have two requests. Number one, pray for us. And number two, send Bibles. He didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for us to find a way to get him out of the refugee camp and maybe, maybe bring him to the comforts of America. He said, no, God is working. We're planting churches. What we need is prayer and what we need are Bibles. And it just happened that we were at Johnson's Ferry Baptist Church uh, about a week or two after I received that email. I brought their request to uh, Bryant Wright and I received word just about three weeks ago Johnson's Ferry has sent to the International Mission Board $10,000 to purchase Bibles, which we can get uh, a Bible in English. Most of the Sudanese speak English or in their native language for about $5 a piece. So you can do the math and see how many Bibles will be flowing in that direction. And we're working with them right now, trying to think through very carefully how it is that we can serve them and minister them in a very difficult situation. But again, something they view as a sovereign 
hand and providence of God to see the gospel spread among the Sudanese people. I also mentioned this morning that um, we are known as a Great Commission Seminary, but we've become burdened in the last several months at the recognition that we should be a praying seminary. Why we never put those two things together more clearly, I don't understand because I guess it's just our, our, our blindness and our, our spiritual uh, impotency at times. But the fact of the matter is the Great Commission will not be fulfilled apart from prayer. Uh, we only move forward on our knees. And so as we begin to think about that and pray about that, and let me say, uh, much of the, and he's not here, but much of the uh, impetus for this came from Dr. Tom Eliff, uh, who is now a visiting professor at Southeastern Seminary and a dear friend uh, to many of us there at the school. And he kept talking to us about the importance of prayer and the Great Commission, prayer and the Great Commission. And so we made a very strategic decision. And uh, I was happy to announce this morning, and I will mention again that Chuck Lawless, has been appointed as vice president for spiritual formation. He will still do much of the administrative work that uh, is his responsibility. He'll continue to teach in, <clears throat> in our classrooms, but at the same time, he is gonna guide us and lead us in the days ahead that we might indeed not only be a, a great commission seminary, but that we would also truly and authentically be a praying seminary as well. Let me also say that uh, we are blessed with the most wonderful faculty in the world. And just recently, you may have seen that Jim Shaddix has had two books come out in partnership with Dr. Jerry Vines in the area of preaching. Uh, I would just again uh, say to all of you, I do not know of a finer preaching faculty anywhere on the planet than what you find at Southeastern Seminary from the bachelor's degree to the master's degree to the DMIN degree to the PhD. We have a outstanding department of preachers. And so if you're looking to shore up your skills in preaching or you're looking to send your young men to a place where you know they will be taught how to do faithful Bible exposition, I really think Southeastern Seminary is the place that you ought to look. Let me say one final thing and then I'm going to pray and we're going to worship the Lord in song. Uh, this has been a good uh, convention for uh, Southeastern Seminary. Uh, it hasn't been as good of a convention for Southern Baptist. Let's just, can I talk for a moment to the family? Yesterday was not our finest hour. Uh, we fumbled the ball. Uh, we uh, lost ground. And uh, there's lots of uh, blame that we could throw at lots of people, but that would not do any good at all because in a real sense, we all uh, deserve and we all bear uh, some of the blame. Uh, Al Mohler is right when he said, uh, and there was a book that came out by the title, uh, he said in a meeting uh, with uh, Baptist 21 yesterday, uh, Southern Baptists have, and I really believe until Jesus comes again, will always bear on some level the stain of the sin of racism. It's in our history. It's in our roots. It is our past. Now, I think we have taken wonderful steps in recent years to try to eradicate that, especially going back to 1995, when on our 150th anniversary, we publicly apologized for the sin of racism and the sins of bigotry. And we asked in particular 
uh, our African-American brothers and sisters to forgive us for the ways that we had sinned against them. And my experience has been uh, they were very kind and very receptive uh, in extending their forgiveness. And yet at the same time, they had every right to say, and they do say, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do something about it. Well, we're going to have a chance at least today to say something about it. And we need to speak this afternoon at 2.45 with a crystal clear clarion call that we stand steadfastly against any form and every form of racism, bigotry, and racial supremacy, no matter where that may come from and no matter who may express it. And if we... If we don't, we absolutely have no reason to expect the blessing of God upon our convention of churches, and indeed, we invite His just judgment against us. Now, folks, I've come to understand in recent years that it's one thing to be an overt racist, but it's another thing to sometimes do racist things unknowingly. And the fact of the matter is, let's just be honest again, many of us, starting with Danny Aiken, we have blind spots. We don't always see things clearly. I, I have not walked in the skin of a black man. And so for me to ever say something like, well, I understand their situation. I understand the black thing. I, no, I don't. And neither do you. But I can begin to understand better, if I can just say it in a Danny Aiken way, if I'll just learn to shut up and listen and listen with a sympathetic, empathetic ear. And again, I've come to understand that my African-American brothers and sisters are more than willing to help me if I'm willing to be helped. And so we, uh, if you just check social media, even a moment ago, uh, before I got up here, one of my sons sent me an article that was in the Dallas Morning News this morning. And basically, the article said, Southern Baptist blew it again. Southern Baptist blew it again. And you say, well, that's not fair. It doesn't matter whether it's fair or not. It is the perception that a cynical, skeptical, watching world has of us. Now, we can either say it's not fair or we can put on our big boy pants and big girl pants and do something about it. I'd prefer the latter course than the former. And so we're going to have a chance this afternoon to speak to the issue of white supremacy racism, and I think we will speak strongly and powerfully. And at the same time, as I mentioned in my report, one thing to say something, one thing to do something, I cannot again express how grateful I am that God in His marvelous providence brought uh, Walter Strickland to Southeastern Seminary to assist us in this particular area of kingdom diversity. I did not realize, because again, I uh, sometimes am tone deaf, but I did not realize just how white uh, our campus was until we began to look at it very carefully. But as I mentioned this morning, though we had a white student body count uh, back in 2011, that was at eight point, or uh, excuse me, a, a non-white student body count in 2011 of 8.3%. Today, it is at 18% and will pass 20% in this coming year. 
I'm grateful for that. I'm not happy that we are, I, I'm not satisfied with where we are, but I'm very thrilled at where we're headed and where I believe by God's grace we're going to go. And again, one of the things that I would point out is God, because of the heart and spirit of our campus, is sending us more African-Americans. He is sending us more Hispanics. He is sending us more Asians. And our prayer is that he will just keep sending them and sending them and sending them so that Southeastern Seminary looks like, and Southeastern Seminary helps equip churches on the earth to look like the church in heaven. I love to remind our students there are no segregated communities in heaven, and there are no segregated worship services either. So we're going to keep working and working and working and working. And by God's grace, we're going to do something that will honor our Lord and that will cause him indeed to want to pour out his blessings on who we are and what we're doing because our heartbeat is one with his. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for believing in us. Thank you for having come to Southeastern as students. Thank you for sending your children and now for some of us, your grandchildren to us. I don't take any of that for granted. Uh, It is a great uh, and awesome stewardship, but again, by God's grace, may we steward it faithfully until our Lord Jesus comes again. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to worship the Lord together as the Austin Stone team comes and leads us in a time of praise to our Lord in song. Heavenly Father, you are a good, good God. No, you are a great, great God who is good to his children all of the time. Lord, we acknowledge that you have been so very, very good to Southeastern Seminary. We're now at 3,600 students. We're now passing our largest budget in our history. You're continuing to send missionaries. Last night, Lord, we believe at least eight of those couples that were there were Southeastern Seminary students or graduates who are now taking the gospel out among the nations. And you continue to send us more and more and more. And for that, we are so eternally grateful and we are thankful. But Lord, may we never be thankful in a prideful way. May we never boast and brag about what you're choosing to do in our midst because it is all of your sovereign grace. So Lord, may we walk as men and women at Southeastern of prayer. May we walk as men and women of humility. And may we acknowledge that any and every good gift that we have comes from our good, great Father in heaven. Lord, keep us faithful. Keep us uh, with our hand to the plow, and may we continue to work out of an overflow of joy and gratitude for all that we have in Jesus, and may we do so faithfully until that day that you come again. Thank you again, Lord, for helping us be who we are, a Great Commission Seminary. Keep us that way now and forever. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.